Hello, 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 ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to Midnight Movie Confessionals. It's been a while since I've done one. I honestly was conflicted on doing this one, honestly, just because the way it premiered. This movie I'm about to talk about was on Disney Plus exclusively, and now it's in theaters. But at the same time, to me, that doesn't count. If it's not in theaters right away, then it's not really a movie I want to review. But whatever, fuck it. It's I'm just on a... I'm hitting fuck it right now, and I hate to say it, but in a sense, this movie is the definition of saying fuck it in a true and utter sense. The movie I'm talking about is Cruella, the one that's based on the character Cruella DeVille by Dodie Smith's 1956 novel, 101 Dalmatians. It is directed by Craig Gillespie. It is starring Emma Stone, Emma Thompson, Joel Fry, Mark Strong... Paul Walter Hauser, Emily Beecham, Kirby Howard Baptiste. It came out earlier last month, but necessarily it was already technically out on Disney Plus for a couple of weeks. But you know what? Why not? I thought I'd just review it. I don't really want to do that because now I feel like I'm going to be into very heavy spoiler territory, but whatever. I'm going to do a quick podcast review of it just because why not? It starts out with Cruella basically giving us a bit of a... It, in a sense, starts out where she says she's di- she's dead. Like it, it, it almost feels like the creators of this movie decided to say, you know what, let's drop some inspiration from Catwoman. Because halfway through that movie, she apparently dies and then comes back. But this one's different. It's more like she's dead. But she's going to tell her story in reverse, in a sense. Like, where it ends. It... It's definitely one of those things. But basically, she starts out with how she was born. How she was such a troublemaker in school. Her mother withdraws her from class. Like, her real name isn't really Cruella at this time. But her real name is Estella. She was born as Estella. And basically, when her mother withdraws her from school they say they're going to go to london because her mother wanted to be a fashion designer and do all this and that i guess there's a like uh when they have to make a quick stop there's a party that's happening at her friend's house i guess which looks to be a gala ball of some sort where there's a bunch of like people in snazzy outfits and whatnot just amazing looking apparel and it's just like she doesn't look like she belongs there. The mother gets chased by some dogs and inevitably falls to her death over a cliff of sorts. While Estella has nowhere to go, she decides to go to London herself and finds her favorite landmark that she never saw until... She saw it in pictures and whatnot, which is, I do believe, the one and only Regent's Park. Where she basically spends the night after she found a little dog earlier in the film, like maybe five minutes in, that looked like it was abandoned, and she called it Buddy. So basically, these two are asleep. They wake up the next morning to meet Horace and Jasper. Who are um, some grifty little thugs, you could say. Some thieves of sorts. These uh, very established roadmen, you could say. Or highwaymen, whatever you want to call these 
folks. They're just thieves in a sense, but basically, we're all on them start to um, build a relationship of sorts. In the sense of where they start doing some very, very heinous things by um, going full, I wouldn't say full Robin Hood per se, but they do go in a sense where they um, start robbing from people because they can and they would rather live life vicariously through this sort of uh, means and ways of doing so. When they're doing so, they... uh, themselves having a good time doing this that the other thing one day i do believe it is maybe 10 years after um she's met a horse and jasper and has dyed her hair red she starts making ends meet after uh, jasper and horace get her a job at the liberty department store one day after doing all these ridiculous heinous tasks that she doesn't like by her boss she um remakes one of the windows displays and lands the job with the coveted baroness who's a renowned and authoritarian haute couture fashion designer basically she's the kind of person that cruella in the movies kind of is one of these like especially in the live action film in the fir- in the 90s like she's this very haute couture, very eclectic fashion designer. Where Glenn Close in those movies, in the first, in the first movie of that series of films, seems very obsessive about animal prints in a sense. This is Cruella before she becomes that, I feel like. But you know what? We're going to get to that soon enough, I think. But personally... I don't think she will get to that stage. Who knows? But uh, after she's done that, she gains Baroness's confidence, but eventually notices that her boss is wearing the necklace that once belonged to her mother, Catherine. And claim- and she claims that an employee of hers had previously stolen it, and she asks um, Horace and Jasper to help retrieve the necklace. And she goes to this ball under her own guise that she creates as uh, Cruella, where she also, meanwhile, has met, through the Baroness, a friend of hers named Artie, that had some, that kind of ha- runs a second-hand store, and, um, well, it's like, more or less, he basically has a vintage clothing store, and he helps her design the outfit that she's going to wear, but then she goes back to having her hair red and like black and white how she had it before and um she sort of crashed at the party that the baroness is having to steal the necklace but when um the baronesses use a whistle to command her dalmatian she realizes it's the same whistle that directed her dogs to murder her mother she starts to in a sense seek revenge for her death she taunts the baroness by just after that happens, she realizes all this. So what she does is she goes under the guise of Cruella while working at the Baroness's, um, I guess, design design company. And she just, she goes in such ridiculous ways to crash the party numerous times. She finds ways to just 
get at her and just say, I'm willing to get at you any way I can, in a sense, by doing these ridiculous things and upstaging her as Cruella in these flamboyant outfits designed with the help of uh, Artie. Her antics do gain some publicity through her childhood friend, Anita, who is a gossip columnist who she went to school with before she uh, was withdrawn from the school. And the arrogant behavior and haughty behavior actually kind of angers Jasper and Horace, as well as the Baroness, who fires her lawyer, Roger, who's trying to stop Cruella, but never is able to stop her at all. And then one day, while this is happening, she decides to get Horace and Jasper to kidnap the three Dalmatians that the Baroness owns. When she does that, they try and... Um, Get one of them to ha like uh crap out the necklace that the mother like um the Baroness apparently had, and one day she tries to attempt to. More or less, there's a spring collection party about to happen, some sort of gala ball that she's about to host. The Baroness, I mean, but uh, Cruella decides to you know what say fuck you. I'm gonna host one myself, at Regent's Park. And her, uh, Horace and Jasper help stage the music. I think Horace is basically, um, he's in the studio, he's in the audio tent, you could say, setting it everything up. And in comes one of my favorite scenes. I hate to include the music, but this is an original cover piece that's in this movie because I haven't really included all the music that's in it. I'll talk about the rest later. But basically, this is the only time in this movie that I was like, yes, yes, this is good. It was with a cover of one of my favorite songs by Iggy Pop and the Stooges, I Want to Be Your Dog, where they literally create their own spring collection of sorts and stage their own show. And now the Baroness is, is deduced that Estella and Corell are basically one and the same. She has Horace and Jasper arrested and tie tied up and... She dies up Estella to die on a fire at their home. But her va the valet, John, her most important assistant, you could say, rescues uh, Estella and brings her, brings her back to his house and says, you are the Baroness's daughter. I was the one that saved you from being killed because twice now. Mostly because the Baroness didn't want to have a child at all. She was very narcissistic. But the Baron withered away, thinking that he didn't have a daughter at all. He didn't have any offspring. Finding this all, like, when she finds all of this out, she kind of gets a little upset about it all. Estella slash Corella, she gets a little upset. But she does thank John for being the one that, um, in a sense, saved her. She's a little angered by Catherine's deception, but it may eventually makes peace with it. In the truth, in an effort to complete her um, whole plan, she does actually adopt the name Cruella for good properly. She breaks out Horace and Jasper out of jail and recruits those two as well as Artie for one ch final scheme, basically where they break into the Baroness's charity gala. But what they also do is they get even more ridiculous. They actually decide to give everyone that's going to the charity goblin ball an outfit to look like Corella, like Corella itself. 
And um, when she, or when uh, Estella actually shows up, Urquhart actually is dressed as Estella reveals the Baroness is her granddaughter. daughter. She pretends to show remorse for the actions and attempts to hug her before pushing her over a cliff, which honestly no one realized was going to happen. And then all the guests who were told to go out to the terrace towards the back garden actually see her push her over a cliff, thinking that she killed her own daughter. The police somehow were there, but actually they're all unaware that um, Cruella survived by using a parachute built into her clothing and discards her Estella disguise before returning to witness the Baroness being arrested. And she actually uses, like, she actually adopt, like, um, adopts the name DeVille, in inspired by the stolen Panther DeVille that she uh, stole earlier. And she inherits Hellman Hall, as, and she like, uh, shortens it to Hell Hall as the biological heir heir to everything, but she also decides to say, well, that's my story, I hope you all liked it, in a sense, where she's showing off the funeral, and everything, with Horace Jasper, Buddy, and, um, what was his name, the dog's name, I can't remember his name now, but, um, there's a small little dog in it as well, I can't remember his name right now, but, uh, basically, it was a horse's do a dog. I can't remember his name right now. I, I just saw it and now I'm blanking. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. But basically, that's what happens. After this happens, they more or less just leave off and just say they got work to you, all four of them, as well as John. Like, they all, I guess, start to work together. And they notice that, um, there's, that the, Baroness's dogs, one of them is pregnant, I guess, but in a mid-credits scene, after the credits start to slowly roll, Cruella delivers Pongwen and Perdita to Roger and Anita, respectively, as a gift. I don't know if she's gonna, I don't know if there's gonna be a sequel later on where she does decide to kidnap the dogs again and make a coat out of it, because that's what the Baroness thought originally in one of the scenes where she saw an outfit that looked like she killed the dogs when she didn't at all. But now, Roger is now working as a songwriter and actually starts composing the song Corella DeVille. And that's actually how the movie ends. Now, would I say this movie is spectacular? Yes. Would I say it's been a long time coming? Very much so. It's been well over 20 years, at least since 101 Dalmatians. And I remember Glenn Close wanting to make a movie based on Cruella DeVille herself that was like more of an origin story but it never got off the ground and I guess because people saw Joker they thought this is going to be like a Joker-esque sort of movie I have to disagree on that Joker no I don't like that I don't like that DC movie personally that was not my absolute favorite of the movies that have come out in the DCEU it was alright, but it wasn't a movie I found enjoyable. That movie was very, um, I don't know what to say. Very uncomfortable, very unsettling. But this movie was different. This movie is a 7 out of 10. I'm going to give you my reasons why I think this movie is a 7 out of 10. I'm not saying it's the most perfect movie out there, but I know for a fact, if you have Disney+, Plus, you have, if you have a chance to go see it in theaters, go do so. If you don't and you have Disney+, Plus, and it's on the Premier Access, if you want to buy the 30 bucks for it, do so. If you don't, wait till it comes out on DVD and Blu-ray and all like all the home release stuff. Wait till then if you want. It's your choice. 
Personally, I think it's great. The music in this, spectacular. I honestly think the music was absolutely spectacular. The soundtrack itself was amazing. Like, there are some songs that were not in it, but the original picture soundtrack has Floors on the Machine, Super Tramp, like, a couple songs that are originally made for it, like, Call Me Cruella, um, what else? I'm trying to see what else was in here. Love is Like a Violin, and there's a few others, but the ones that are on the soundtrack, like, for the motion picture soundtrack... There's Floors of the Machine, there's Super Tram with Bloody Right Well, Whisper Whisper by the Bee Gees, 5 to 1, which I know when that's playing, that's actually a very solid time for me, if I'm honest, because I love that song. But you know what? This is the second time I've heard this, this song in a movie, and you know what? The first time I heard it, it was a good amplification of, like, shit's about to go down because it was in Rambo Last Blood. This time around, it just feels like shit's going down, we need to get the fuck out of here. Not like the last time. It didn't work this time around. But Nina Simone with Feeling Good is also in this. They have the Ohio Players with Fire, which they have a lot of... I'm getting tired of hearing in movies sometimes where it doesn't work well. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. But this is... It's during... It's set in... This movie's set in the 70s. So you know what? I'll give it that. I'm not saying it's the best movie hands down how it uses everything. But I'll give it that. Five to one, I'll give it that. I'll give it some of these songs. A Whole Lot of Love by Ike and Tina Turner. Originally done by, um, well, of course, Led Zeppelin. This cover was great. And the 2012 version of uh, ELO's Living Thing was in it, which I don't get why, but I guess it's the remastered version. I don't know why, but whatever. They also have Queen Stone Cold Crazy, which... Is it a bad song? I kind of like it. It's not my absolute favorite. They also use, in part of the montage of sorts, they use One Way or Another for one scene by Blondie, which was also pretty good. They also use Should I Stay or Should I Go Now by The Clash. That was pretty great to hear. They use I Love Paris by Georgia Gibbs. Ken Dodd plays Love is Like a Violin. And then comes my favorite part of this movie, like I mentioned. Just hearing the cover version... By John McRae of I Want to Be Your Dog. Oh my god, did I ever love it. Just hearing it at the fashion show that Estella slash Cruella play, like, like, has at Regent's Park. Just, mm, it worked. It, 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 it basically said, okay, I'm sold. If they use this cover during the trailer for Cruella, instead of the songs like Hush and everything else that they used, I would have actually been more or less sold on this movie. A lot more. Because, honestly, Cruella DeVille likes her dogs. You know what I mean? She likes that idea. That would have made... That would have been maybe too on the nose. But at the same time, people would have actually been like... Oh, let's go see it. You know what I mean? They also had Ike and Tina Turner again with the Beatles cover come together. Which wasn't bad either. But they had a few other songs that were in this as well that were not too bad either. They had... Time of the Season by the Zombies. They had Inside Looking Out by the Animals. I Gotcha by Joe Tex, which isn't really in there for a whole... It's only in there for a quick moment or two. So, I get why they didn't use it. They also used The Wizard by Black Sabbath. And then, near the very end of the movie, they used Sympathy for the Devil. But the original score by Nicholas Bertel isn't bad, if I'm honest. It's a very... Besides the one track, Call Me Cruella, which is in both... 
I gotta say, everything else sounds amazing in it. I listened to it earlier after watching this, and I honestly gotta say, it works. Like I said, this movie's a 7 out of 10. It's not my absolute favorite movie, but out of 2021 for new movies that have yet to be, I've yet to be one to see. I know I didn't really watch Soul until I watched, until I got on DVD and Blu-ray. And even then when I watched it, I just, I watched it and I didn't do a podcast on it, but honestly, I couldn't do one. I just felt like there's it was too late to do so. I might do one later on about the movie Onward. I might, I might not. I might wait a little bit longer to do one. I mean, that was the last movie before the COVID pandemic. And I remember I tried to record one before it came out. Well, well, after it came out that same weekend. And I didn't get a chance to. And I put that in the episode Graveyard. There's a few episodes in, a grave, in the Graveyard that I might revive somehow. But, um, yeah, that project is gonna need to be re-recorded sadly but i hope you all enjoyed this review i will be back this thursday night slash friday morning the wee hours of the morning mind you with a review of fast nine the fast saga well f9 the fast saga whatever it's called fast and furious nine i don't know what it's called anymore i'm just calling it fast nine i will be back with that one Later this week, I have two more episodes that I have to do on Music from the Curator's Chair, so I'll be doing those as well. You'll probably be hearing me a lot this week, so this is Scott signing out, ladies and gentlemen, and transmission.